Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. I understand that this is our fourth week, but we could barely even scratch the surface. And my hope is that if anything else, it kind of whet your appetite a little bit, that you'll be inspired and encouraged to go back into the word and again, find the passages of scripture that speak about the Holy Spirit. We have some resources if you'd like to come up and ask one of our altar workers that we can get you or point you in the right direction where you can dive in a little bit more and study those out. But our foundational passage has been Isaiah 60, one through three. Let's take a look at that again. I, want to, I don't want to review, but I want to reiterate this passage for sure. Arise, shine, wake up, be alert, be mindful, be aware. Hey, everybody. Hey, church. It says, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory. Say glory. glory. That's our key word. The glory means the, literally the full weight of who God is. It's the full weight, everything he has. It's experiencing God to the full. It's what he wants and desires for every believer. He wants his full weight of who he is in your life. It says, for the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Why does he want, why did he destine, why does he desire for us to walk in the full weight of who he is? Well, here's why. Because darkness covers the earth. Thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory, there's our word again, the full weight of who he is in the midst of darkness, in the midst of this dark world, in the midst of darkness, thick darkness covering people, the full weight of who God is is still available. He still desires for it to appear in your life. And the reason why, or the result rather, is this, because then nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Basically, when we walk in the full uh, weight of who God is and his glory, then it means that that light of God shines in our life and is attractive to other people. And perhaps it just might be the reason why you came to Christ because of somebody else's walk in witness, embracing the fullness of who God is, and it drew you out of that place knowing that there's something better there must be. And then as our hearts desire, that each and every one of us will experience, as God always intended, the full weight of who he is in our lives. Now that sounds great, and how is that even possible? Because let's understand God's a big God, and he's much bigger than we can even imagine. In fact, that we know that we are a triune being. There's three parts to us. There's a, there's a body part, and our body, it is impossible for our body to contain the full weight of who God is. We would die. We couldn't manage that. We couldn't be in that place of that presence, the full weight of who he is. It's impossible for us physically. And then there's the, the mind, the natural mind uh, of man that our mind, the Bible says, cannot comprehend how vast and how big God is. And I got to say, I'm really thankful for that. Our mind limits God. And so don't bring God down to the size of your mind and your understanding. And so he's much bigger than that. So it's impossible for our body to contain the full weight of who he is. It's impossible for our mind to comprehend the full weight of who he is. It would limit God. But there is a part that he created in you and I that has the capacity to contain the full weight of who he is, and that's our spirit man. And we're the only thing that lives and breathes on the planet that was given a spirit. God designed it that way. And he did so so he could download or impart the full weight of who he is into you. And the only way that's possible is if he downloads it into the part of you that was created to be like him. And that just makes sense. That just makes sense. Our body cannot, our mind cannot, but our spirit man created and recreated in the image of God has the ability then to receive the download or the full weight of who God is. That's how God set it up. That's why he set it up that way. When you're born again, then your spirit man is recreated in the image of God. You don't physically look like God, but your spirit man is in communication with God. It has the ability then to interact relationally and for God to be able to download who he is in your life. 
So our only hope is that relationship with Jesus. In fact, Colossians 1.27 says it this way. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. Listen to this. Which is in Christ Jesus, oh, I'm sorry, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope for the full weight of who God is. So when you come to Jesus, your spirit man recreated in the image of God then has the ability to receive the fullness of God in our lives. And he does that through the person and power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to review, we've looked at all that, you need to go back and listen again. But understand that because Jesus came and died and rose again and now gave us opportunity for relationship, when we receive him, our spirit man then has the capacity to receive the full weight of who God is. And that's what God always wanted and intended for you and I. And how does that happen? Acts 1.8, let's take a look again. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power, say power. The full weight of who God is when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. Why do you need power? Well, because this world is dark and there's thick darkness over people. And you need power then so your light, the light of God in you then will attract people out of darkness or so that you can be witnesses in Jerusalem, your local area, in Judea, Samaria, your state, your nation, if you will, and then the ends of the earth. So it's extremely important. God always intended for you and I to walk in the full weight of who he is. And it's possible. The only hope for that to be possible is Jesus, amen, in you. And so that's what we've been talking about these few weeks. And that happens, that download of power happens. The conduit God chose, if you will, is the heavenly language. And the more you engage in that heavenly language, the more of God that you download. And we'll look at that a little bit today. And so we talked last week, why tongues? And why is tongues so controversial? And just people don't have the right understanding of what it is. In fact, I'm gonna read something for you. I was a little hesitant to do this, but I think it really helps us understand how we miss it sometimes. And I don't mean any disrespect to this, the belief system of this people group. And if you've came from this denomination, then understand my heart is just to educate us and learn and not to try and, and disrespect anybody. But it, it helps us see the person and purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit. After decade long, this is an article I downloaded out of Charisma Magazine. After decade-long resistance, the Southern Baptist Convention will admit missionary candidates who speak in tongues, a practice associated with Pentecostal and charismatic churches. It's reversing a policy that was put in place 10 years ago. Speaking in tongues is an ancient practice, it goes on to say, recorded in the New Testament in which people pray in a language they do not know, understand, or control. The practice died out until Pentecostalism emerged around the 20th century. In Pentecostal churches, it is considered one of many gifts, now I differ with that belief and I'll explain it in a moment, it is considered one of many gifts of the Holy Spirit, including healing and the ability to prophesy. Allowing Southern Baptist missionaries to speak in tongues or have what some SBC leaders call a private prayer language speaks to the growing strength of Pentecostal churches in Africa, Asia, and South America where Southern Baptists are competing for converts and where energized new Christians are enthusiastically embracing the practice. You know why the word, the gospel is spreading in such a, a, a great measure in Africa, Asia, and South America because the Christians are energized with embracing the person and power of the Holy Spirit and engaging with God in their heavenly language. That's what the SBC says. That's what their experts say right here. And understand, it says Africa, Asia, and South America. You realize that around the rest of the world, the practice of speaking in tongues is accepted? It's just here in America. 
But you go all over the world, and I've been a lot of places in the world, and you see Methodists speaking in tongues, you see Protestants speaking in tongues, Presbyterians, you see Catholics speaking in tongues. They embrace the full gospel and the person and power of the Holy Spirit. And why is it say that, that, that we're, uh, they can't compete, if you will, competing for converts? It's because of Acts 1-8, because the power of God has been poured out to energize, empower believers to reach people all over this world for Jesus, amen? And so even they're recognizing it. And so many, listen to this, in so many parts of the world, these charismatic experiences are normal. Said Bill Leonard, professor of church history at Wake Forest Divinity School. Religious groups that oppose them get left behind evangelistically. They can't keep up with winning people for Jesus. And the ones that are out there really getting it done are the ones that are full of the Holy Spirit. It goes on to say Southern Baptists have long prided themselves among the world's most ambitious missionaries, reaching countries and regions few dared to go, but they are increasingly finding competition from fast-growing Pentecostal Christianity because of the outpouring of power, again. In 2005, the IMB Board, International Missions Board, created guidelines that specifically disqualified all missionary candidates who spoke in tongues. For Southern Baptists, the practice, also known as glossolalia, ended with the death of Jesus' apostles. And I differ with that too, and we'll see in the scripture. The ban on speaking in tongues became a way to distinguish the denomination for others. These days, it can no longer afford that distinction. And, and again, I, I don't care what denomination anybody belongs to, you can be saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. All right? And that's the truth of it. We're just putting people in categories that really don't matter, to be honest with you. It's just, number one, your salvation, that's a separate work of anything. So we understand it's from grace given by God, not of any works. And that is the most important thing. You can go to heaven and not speak in tongues. Tongues is for your time here on earth. It's to empower you, to connect you with God, that heavenly language, that conduit, to receive the fullness of who he is. Why? So we can change this world. So we can reach people for Christ. Goes on to say this, and the IMB said it will still uh, end employment for any missionary who practices persistent emphasis on any specific gift of the Spirit as normal for all. And, And again, I don't mean any disrespect, but I think there's some confusion there that I don't necessarily know that I see that in the Scripture. And I want to clear a few more things up, but ultimately, this is not a heaven and hell issue. It's the blood of Jesus, amen? That's the most important thing. It is separate, a separate work. The only pre-qualification or prerequisite rather for the infilling of the Holy Spirit is salvation. But you can get to heaven without that. You can't get to heaven without salvation. And so if you don't agree with me today or at the end of this and the time that we've spent, that's okay. We can still work together to win people for Christ, amen? We can still serve our communities and the world. We can still give to missions and outreach. We can, we can still uh, do things to help reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ, amen? But I'm telling you what, if we do it full of the Holy Spirit, we'll be a whole lot more effective and reach a whole lot more people. So, anyways, I hope you heard my heart in that. I really did not mean any disrespect. But last week we looked at why tongues, why heavenly language. You can go back and get that again. But let me give you, you received an insert when you came in. and give you 10 benefits to doing that. 10 benefits of speaking tongues. And again, this just goes to show you that this is, this is all through the scripture. There's a lot to say. We, we, we're not even covering, we're just a very small amount of the person working of the Holy Spirit. But there's 10 on here. I'm going to just talk about five. Let me look at the second one. Tongues is for spiritual edification. 1 Corinthians 14.4. Here's what it says. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Tongues is a very personal thing. We get crazy mixed up on the, on the uh, public expression of it sometimes in meetings, and, and that's in the scripture as well. But remember, it's for, if anything, it's for you personally. And the Bible says when you speak in your heavenly language, it builds you up. 
I mean, you got one of those down days, things aren't going right, guess what, start speaking the Holy Ghost. Because it says it edifies, what that means, edifies means it uplifts morally, spiritually, and intellectually. It edifies, it builds up, uplifts your mind, it uplifts your spirit man, and, and it says it uplifts your morals. How many of you guys know that we could sure use an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to change the morality of our country? Amen? We pray in the Holy Spirit, it'll help us live to a higher standard or level of morality. And that's one of the workings of the Holy Spirit. Uh, look at number three. It reminds us of the Spirit's indwelling presence, John 14, 16 through 17. Anyone can, can engage in this beautiful expression. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, a helper, to help you. And see, I've not even talked about him as uh, the Holy Spirit as a helper, the one who stands alongside, leads you, guides you. So an advocate to help you and be with you forever. Say forever. Okay? The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives in you, lives with you, and will be in you forever. Forever. So he's going to be with you. You pray in the Holy Spirit, it's a reminder that he's with you forever. He's always there. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Uh, praying in tongues, number four, is praying God's perfect will, Romans 8, 26 through 27. In the same way, the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of God, helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. You can go on to that verse, but hold on. It says, sometimes we don't know what we should pray. You ever been in a situation, you just don't even know how to pray? Yeah. Well, I, I don't even know what to pray. Help, help Jesus, help me Jesus. I don't even know what to pray in my understanding. Well, how are you going to pray that one? I don't know. How are you going to dress that one? I don't know. How do you know what God's will is there? I don't know. Guess what? God has a provision for that. And that's praying in the Holy Spirit. He says, when you pray in the Holy Spirit, he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Your spirit, recreating the image of God, connects and communicates with the Spirit of God. And when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you're praying out the will or the perfect will of God. You want to pray a perfect prayer? I got to get this right. I need a perfect prayer right here. You start praying in your heavenly language. Your spirit that's in communication with God has a chance to connect then and pray out God's will. And guess what? It may be different than the prayer and your understanding you were just about to pray. You may, you realize we pray things out a lot of times that are not God's will but our own wants and desires. And praying God's will, his word is what makes prayer effective. And you start praying in the Holy Spirit, you pray God's perfect will every time. And so you can see the power of it right there. Number five, praying in tongues stimulates faith. The book of Jude, verse 20, says this, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. And listen, when we have a, a moment, a crisis of faith, we need to pray in the Holy Spirit. I just don't have the faith for that. Or I just think, I don't happen to my faith. Or I'm in a crisis of faith. And, and we're all facing reports and things like that. All of a sudden, our faith just gets rocked. Guess what? Pray in the Holy Spirit. I don't have enough faith for that. Then spend some time praying in the Holy Spirit and build that up, stir that up. Amen? That's a benefit and a blessing. And let me give you number seven. Praying in tongues enables us to pray for the unknown. 1 Corinthians 14. Let's look at verse two and then 14. For anyone who speaks in a, in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. It's not for other people in a sense. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Your mind cannot comprehend the things of God. Your mind will limit God. You pray in the Holy Spirit, you bypass your mind. Your mind doesn't understand. That's the struggle. That can't be right. What's going on? That's crazy. No, you're just being bypassed because you're going to limit God in my life, and I don't want God limited in my life, so I'm going to pray in the Holy Spirit. 
And so it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. Again, if you don't agree, that's okay. That's between you and your family as you feel the Lord has spoken to you. But let me ask you a few questions. And I get this all the time. Is tongues for everyone? And I would say without question, yes. Now, let me clarify that for a second. Now, last week we talked about three baptisms represented in the scripture. The first one is baptism into the family of God's salvation. Baptism into the body of Christ is salvation for everyone. Yes or no? Yes, salvation for salvation. Baptism in the body of Christ for everyone. Then we talked water baptism. Water baptism, an outward expression of an inward work. Is that for everyone? Yes. And then we talked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So wouldn't it just go, wouldn't we just, can't we just draw the conclusion then that if the first two baptisms for everyone, then the third baptism discussed in the scripture was for everyone? Amen? Why would it be any different? It's a baptism. The problem is, like that article said, people get locked into the gift of, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but we're talking about baptism in the Holy Spirit, Acts 1-8, and outpouring of God's power on everyone, and the heavenly language being a part of that. Baptism's for everyone. Now, the article is right that there are certain gifts. In fact, there's nine gifts of the Spirit. And you can look in 1 Corinthians 12, you'll see nine gifts listed there. But what you'll see is the Bible talks about that these gifts are given by God through the Spirit of God as he wills. He's given these gifts. And so there is a gift of speaking in other kinds of tongues. And not everybody operates in these nine gifts or all the time, it's as the Spirit determines. But everybody is eligible to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. The difference is the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit given by God is like if I gave you a gift, I love you and I'm just gonna give you a gift. I want you to have this, enjoy this. Whereas giftings, are separate, and we say that all the time. And just an example would be as Cody stands up here and leads us in praise and worship, he has a gifting, he has a special gifting to lead us in worship. Now listen, I love to sing, but you don't want me leading us in worship, come on. I mean, know what I'm talking about. Now I'll sing all day long on the front row, I'll sing in the shower, I'll sing in the car, I'll sing at home, I love it, but you don't want me up here leading worship because that's not my gifting, my area, my special gifting for that time. Do you see what I'm saying? So we can't equate that to the overall baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is one of nine gifts operating, and as the Spirit wills, as God gives. But the Bible goes on to say that we should covet, desire, yearn for, long for all those gifts operating in our life. And can I tell you, if you're a parent or teenagers, and I have two, I need all nine working all the time. Can I tell you? I need the word of knowledge. I need the word of revelation. I need gifts of healing. I need all that operating in my life. But God distributes that. But I want to long for, I, I used to wake up every, you should wake up every morning and say, I want all the gifts that you have for me, God, today. Just give me all the gifts that you have. And if all of a sudden you're walking in the gift of healing, if God just dumped the gift of healing on me, guess where I'd be headed right now? I'd leave this platform, walk out that door, drive straight to Christus Santa Rosa and empty the place out. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. A special working. Okay? Baptism in the Holy Spirit's for everybody, but there is a working of gifts, special working of gifts. Let me, let me take it a little further. The same list as you'll see in 1 Corinthians 12, you'll see a gift of faith. My Bible says that when we are born again, every, everyone receives a measure of faith. Some translations say the same measure of faith. So a gift of faith can be a different gift operating, but we all have been given a measure of faith. It's in the Bible, read 1 Corinthians 12. 
And it also goes on to say, gifts of healing have been given as the Spirit wills. But my Bible says in Mark 16, 17, that these signs shall follow them that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. If you're a believer, you need to be laying hands on people and believing God's healing power to flow because you're obedient to the word of God, amen? But it says gifts of healing. So there's a special gift of healing. That's why sometimes we bring people in for crusades or we have a healing night or we bring one of those in because they're operating in a gift. Does that make sense today for everybody? If it does not, go ahead and go read that in the scripture. So some people will say it's not for everyone based on the nine gifts. And I would say based on nine gifts, you're right. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit's for everybody. It's that special working that we're talking about, and I believe that article was alluding to that. And some people would say, based on 1 Corinthians 13, that gifts, uh, that the Bible says that tongues cease, tongues cease. In fact, that article said it died out with the apostles. In fact, we need to take a look at this one, Acts uh, 13, verse eight, I believe. 13, eight, let me start reading that. Oh, I said Acts 13, yeah, I'm in Corinthians, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians 12 is where the gifts are. 1 Corinthians 13, I'm sorry, okay. Eight, verse eight. Love never fails. Now what's interesting to me, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts and then the gifts within a body and then 1 Corinthians 13 is what we know to be the love chapter and 1 Corinthians 14 then, if you wanna read about more about tongues and operation publicly, talks about that. It's interesting to me that the love chapter is put right in the middle of the two. So understand this, sometimes people, the, the, their gifts aren't working because their love walk is not where it should be. Not because God gave this to somebody and not this to somebody else. It's like, get your love walk in order and then all, and these things will, will work in your life. You'll have access to working these things in your life. So you gotta walk in love. Love's the most important thing. In fact, it starts right here. Love never fails. But where there is prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. We don't know all there is to know while we're on the planet. But when completeness or perfection, another translation says, comes, what in part, what's in part disappears. What that's referring to is we only know what we can know here on the earth. There's so much more to know. But when completion, and we're not operating in, in the, the part that we have here on the planet, when perfection, when completion comes, where's perfection? Heaven. Is there perfection here on the planet? There was no one perfect but Jesus. So when completion or perfection comes, when we get to heaven one day and we're not only seeing part or operating in part, but we're operating in the whole, we'll not need the baptism of the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues. Why? We won't need that power to overcome. We are in heaven. Does that just make sense? We're there already. We have experienced completion or fullness. Well, let me just uh, illustrate it more. Here it goes on to continues to say this. When I was a child, I talked as a child, I thought as a child, I reasoned as a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. We see Jesus in us. Then we shall see face to face. It's what alluding to. We'll see Jesus face to face. Now I know in part here on the planet, but then I'll know fully, even as I am fully known. When are we gonna see Jesus face to face? Heaven. So again, tongues will cease or be stilled when we're in heaven because it's not needed there. But while we're on the earth, make no mistake about it, we need all of heaven we can get here on the earth through the person and power of the Holy Spirit. So again, if you'll just look at these scriptures and let it be your filter, don't take my word, take the word. And so again, even in that article, there's things that I think that if we just apply the scripture to it, we can see a different way. 
And I wanted to share those things because I think sometimes those are hindrances to us. And those are some of the arguments that I hear. But understand again, baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a heaven and hell issue. Yes, I believe it is for everyone. And I know what he means to me. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at 11 years old and I've not looked back since. I was raised in it by my parents, I, uh, my, my wife, my children, they, we, all, we all participate in that. And we, we've been, that's been a part of our lives, it's who we are. I, I didn't come to the Lord later in life and I have an advantage perhaps because I didn't have to unlearn some stuff or hear some false doctrine or things like that. And so I tried to be sensitive to where other people are at. But understand, it's not a heaven or hell issue, but I want you to hear my heart, it is for everyone's benefit and the blessing that it is on the earth through his people, God's people. But you make a decision. You make the decision for you and your family. What are you going to do with him? What are you going to do with him? And again, we can still do church together. We can still reach the lost. We can still support missions. But what are you going to do with the Holy Spirit? We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.